Hi, I'm Kirk Flagg. Welcome to the PEO InSync podcast. In each episode, we will take you behind the scenes to explore the ever-changing PEO world. We will talk with the industry legends, the people whose hard work and creativity shape the PEO world of today. Also, we'll interview current industry leaders, those who are using their own creativity to grow and expand what it means to be a PEO. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoy today's episode. Good morning, everyone. My name is Kirk Flagg, and this is the PEO InSync podcast. Today, I have Jason Randall, who's the CEO of Questco. Jason, why don't you introduce yourself? Well, thanks, Kirk. Obviously, a pleasure to be here and uh, honored to, to speak to your audience. Um, I'm coming today from, from Pro Houston, where our company Questco is based. Uh, and uh, I, as you mentioned, serve as the CEO of Questco and have since I was recruited into the role in early 2018. What I'm curious about is Questco. You guys are, what, about 30,000 worksite employees now? Just under, yes. So you're not a startup. You're not a big box PEO. How are you doing? I think we're doing great. And I think we're very fortunate to be in an industry where scale can come at relatively small numbers of uh, uh, quantities of worksite employees that we're serving because we can display on an everyday basis the kind of concern and personal service that a lot of our clientele expects while still having the scale and the offerings and the sophistication to deal with very sophisticated businesses of their own right. But you guys are based in Houston. I believe you originally were focused on blue collar workers. Am I correct in that? Is that the history or of Questco? For the vast majority, Kirk, of Questco's, you know, more than 30 years of history, it's exactly that. And we see a lot of these stories in industry, right? They're centered on one geographic place, in our individual case, the far exurbs of Metro Houston, and then building a really good reputation around that rather modest uh, sort of geographic spread. So that's, that's where Questco started. And that's not uh, at all where Questco is today, but those are our roots are in the, the more the blue collar businesses that surrounded Houston. And uh, we've expanded significantly beyond that. So uh, I believe you're now selling more into white collar. I, I'm, I'm assuming you haven't given up the blue collar. Business. We still have those muscles, still have those capabilities. And in fact, have a, a wonderful leader um, over that, that brings again, a, a, even a heightened level of sophistication from what we one, once had to help service the blue collar community. In other words, we've never been stronger there, but we've also built a parallel set of skills, capabilities and product that really are more oriented toward white collar business, which I believe is a prerequisite to compete, you know, in a more broad sense, you know, across the business community. And I'd like you to highlight some of those differences because I know that blue collar has different needs than white collar, but some of our listeners who are startups or are looking to get into PEO, they don't they may not understand that distinction and it's significant. So so what have why have you expanded and what are the differences between the two markets? So we're private equity owned, right? And the, and the mandate for for private equity ownership is uh, growth and growth at a, at a robust rate. So when when our owners who are uh, absolutely wonderful, they care about us as people, they they are are wonderfully supportive of our team and of our plan. But they had, or, and they had uh, a view of the industry. It's like, okay, we have a, a great engine. Um, now let's just commercialize that further and we can expand our, our current uh, sort of team and just attract more white collar business and we're off to the races. And 
what you find when you start down that path is, well, you're not catering to the things that matter most to the different kind of clientele that you're trying to serve. And you need your technology to be different and different aspects of the offering. For example, performance management may be far more important to a white collar employer than, than some of the blue collar employers we see. Again, these are generalities, but you kind of see it out there. Certainly on the product side, whereas in the blue collar space, workers comp sort of dominates the conversation many times. In the white collar space, it's barely a, a check on the box, something to, to handle, whereas medical coverage and ancillary coverage are critically important. So we had to have a robust national master medical plan to really be as relevant as we needed to be to attract that. And there are other examples, of course, but what it all comes back to is, you know, even though Questco had a blue collar heritage, we had, like when you buy a house, good bones, right? We had the kind of people that want to do well by their clients, that want to um, really ha have the desire to serve and, and be mindful of that client's journey. And when you have that, that's the under, that's the other thing that can begin uh, to, to set you on a, a broader path or, or to appeal to multiple different kinds of buyers. But you still need the product and you need the expertise. Might not be enough to want to do a good job, in the context that we're talking about, you may need to have a certified payroll person as opposed to an uncertified person if you're if you're trying to deal with a certain level of sophistication in the clientele. So just a handful of, of scattershot examples to really illustrate. It's a bit of a different proposition to go after any particular segment of the SMB market, and you need to design your organization accordingly. You said something that I I think is very important, but you said do well by the clients. So what do you do or who do what type of people do you hire or how do you how does Questco do that um, do well by their clients? What a great question, right? Because it speaks to the heart of who we are and what we bring. And this is it's not as much about hiring from a specific industry, certainly not necessarily from another uh, competitive PEO that does happen, but that's not the most important thing. What you're really looking for is an others focused orientation in the process. So different roles, we might have different criteria that we're hiring on in terms of skills uh, or in terms of background, but the thing that is common across our team and why it means something special to be a part of Questco is that you have that special orientation. You have demonstrated, you have a story you can tell about a way you've gone above and beyond to serve someone else. And that's the kind of thing that we look for in our roles because uh, some skills can be trained, others can be hired for, but that kind of attitude and, and focus to the employee, that's what makes it special. And for us, that's the secret sauce. Do you have people take tests to make sure that they're customer focused or are you just relying on a gut scent? <laughs> it, it, it depends on the role. I can speak most specifically about our hiring within the, the sales organization where we've built right. basically from scratch a pretty large internal sales team. There are attitudinal tests, there are, there are competency tests that are performed, and then there's a, there's a pretty large, uh, we democratize the interview process, so you're talking with a number of people to get a number of different sides of you, both in the functional area and without. So that's just one example of a pretty rigorous process. Different departments sort of have their own sensibilities about this, but I think what you're picking up on is we approach it intentionally with, a, again, a process in mind. And to a lot of your listeners that might be looking at well, what are, what's important when you're scaling a business or scaling a PEO, this right. emphasis on process has been key to us to ensure a consistency of result, whether we're talking about hiring or customer service delivery or sales results. So um, being consistent, following that process and, and being smart around the right kinds of objective instruments to supplement uh, deep conversations in the interview process has been an important thing for us. 
I read or saw somewhere that Insperity kind of changed your life. Uh, as I as I recall, you were a client of Insperity's at one point, and uh, you really get, became familiar with PEO. But then all of a sudden, they call you up and say, "Hey, Jason, we want to you to run this part of our business." How did that happen, and what 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 was important about that experience for you? Well, PEO generally and Insperity specifically has been a, a huge part of my life. Um, I came ac- across the industry through an Insperity, re- I was introduced to the industry rather, through an Insperity relationship um, for a company I was running. It was a fast growing tech company in Austin. And I'm, I was kind of the typical client that a lot of the PEOs were wanting to go after, right? And we were perpetually on the Inc. 500 list. It was the 500 list at the time, uh, growing very quickly in a hot market. And we were struggling with the, the sort of wheelhouse issues that a PEO addresses about how do we compete for talent amid, you know, glamorous, much larger competitors? How do we grow our business and keep our sanity and offer all these things? In other words, the whole, the whole carousel of issues that we're dealing with every day. And the PEO was the answer to that. And I credit that relationship for helping us get farther faster. What, what a powerful concept. And we were able to have a successful exit from that business. And so when I, it's wonderful that I can, I can stand up in front of our team and sales teams more generally and say, you know what, people like you really changed my life because you introduced me to a concept that made the real difference in growing our business in a way that I don't think we could have gotten to on our own or certainly with the, with the same level of excellence. So that's, that's all background. Um, but I think you can tell I was passionate at that time about the space. And I remain passionate because of what it does for the, the small business community. So you fast forward and you know, fa- following that exit, um, you know, that organization was looking for someone to uh, come in and, and uh, run a part of the organization that was being reimagined uh, uh, to lead a sales force concentrated in the, in the mid-market segment, which is defined as, as a certain employee size organization and higher, and uh, lead a, a team of folks newly constituted that would be more agnostic across a suite of services. So that's what I was brought in on the, from the client side ultimately to the provider side to do. And that, that launched my career working in the industry. And then from there, Kurt um, was very happy, had, had a wonderful path, but I got a knock on my door uh, from the recruiter from Quesco and I couldn't resist the opportunity to build something special from the CEO seat. And I, I made the move for that reason. This was a great uh, organization, solid history, and so much room to, to grow under new reinvigorated ownership with a great team behind it. And that's why I was willing to make that leap. Your salespeople must love you because they can say, hey, look at our CEO. He has actually experienced how a PEO helped their company grow. Has, have you ever talked to uh, prospects about that? All, all the time. And, and I think w- what's so helpful about that in my own background is that it's not only not hard for me to put myself in the in the position of a, of a client when they're confronted with some issue, whether, you know, something in, in the business, but it's the natural place. It's where my mind goes already. And then when we're having internal conversations, that client or those clients more generally are never far from our thoughts. I think that leads us ultimately to much better decisions, that we're making decisions that are client-centric as opposed to favoring some other interest. And when you do that consistently for a long enough period of time, good things are going to happen. Well, Questco made a great decision or the, the venture capital made a great decision because with all these experiences, you're almost the perfect CEO. 
I appreciate it. I'll, I'll get a t-shirt that says that. I'll see how the team reacts. I, I don't know that my opinion uh, matters, but I also wanted you to talk. The other thing that was interesting is you came on for mid-market. That's a different sale. So I want to get your impression on something, Kirk, because one of the things, the true zones that I've observed in my time in the industry is that what starts off as a demand from an enterprise or, or mid-market client not only becomes table stakes very quickly, but it also becomes a, an expectation of the small and mid-sized business community, especially as technology enabled that. So have, have you seen that over the course of your career to where today's, today's uh, bell and whistle is tomorrow's expectation at, at smaller and smaller uh, organization sizes? I've seen even the smallest people want to have a tech demo before you know, they, they go further. I don't want to see the pricing. I want to see a tech demo first. And how does it compare to what I'm using now? But, but I agree with your premise completely. So the through line here is that, first of all, this is something that whatever we're going to, about to talk about as meeting the demands for mid-market clients, maybe coming our way for small business clients next year or, or sooner, right? That said, the heart of your question is, well, how do you sell to, how do you execute the even more complex sale? with larger organizations, how you do that with, with success and consistency. Um, first of all, I think it's important to, again, tip the cap that any PEO sale is a complex sale in its own right. I mean, my gosh, look at all the different aspects of the service offering that we need to talk about. Nobody's going to say that isn't complex, even to a seven person business, right? The difference when you're dealing with a larger organization that has institutionalized and departmentalized and divided out this function is not only is what you're talking about complex, but their sales process is orders of magnitude more complex. So that inherently means the sales cycle is longer, less predictable, and there, there, there's more stakes behind it because it's a, ultimately going to be a binary yes, no decision, or it could be a no decision because they just literally can't get their own team in a place where they can make it. I think the other thing that's also critical as a principle when you're going after larger clients is that every single one of these organizations doesn't need us. They could absolutely build this on their own. So the, I think that's in stark contrast to say a 30 person organization who of course they can, can and do things as, as a self-service or a multi-vendor sensibility, but the value prop is so strong and so obvious because we cost less than a full-time employee, right? It, it's just, the, the math is wonderful. That math turns on us when you get to a certain employee size. So your conversation is both more complex and more niche. And so you have to be equipped to handle all aspects of that. And I think what that looks like is a very keen understanding of what you have to offer. And then from that, a lot of flexibility to live into what's going to be put in front of you from the more demanding buyer. Because another truism in, in the larger company space in our industry is, um, they expect you to come to them in terms of you need to meet them where they are in terms of the technology integrations or the service model delivery in every mid-market deal that i've worked at quesco we've had to deviate from what i'll call our standard model in order to really make it fit for the client so that flexibility moves from something that's kind of a nice to have to the small business client to an absolute necessity to the larger client i guess those are a few things off the top of my head that are prerequisites to compete in the space and then, of course, the service uh, and the, the fundamental product offering has to be there. Is your, are you able to uh, meet them where they are geographically? Do you have the requisite skill set among the team? Does the technology meet the need? And are, do you have the interlocking pieces that make it fit? Fundamental product and service questions that would be in, in any uh, sort of provider. But it's, it's uh, really highlighted to the mid-market space. Does that answer uh, what we're looking for? I think so. Um, how does Quesco 
I'm going to give you two questions at the same time. You answer the way you want. One, I want to know how Questco competes. I mean, you're in the Houston market. So there's some big PEOs there. How do you compete? And the, the second question was, where's your footprint? Because I know you're you're moving beyond Houston, um, but I don't know where exactly you're selling these days. Sure. So second question first, because it's just more straightforward, right? You have, obviously our, our roots are in Houston and in Texas, and you go back five years, Kirk, and that was 100% of our business. Um, we will end this year with Texas being a minority of our business, even though we've grown in Texas. And that's by virtue of our own sales efforts that are more national in, in their scope, as well as some key acquisitions that we've made. So uh, our our acquired companies quickly become service centers and hubs in their own right. We acquire because there's a wonderful geographic market and wonderful team in place. And so we have wonderful partners that we have in Arizona and Colorado, Nebraska, and uh, now in the Southeast that we're not quite ready to announce. Um, but we, we okay. are excited about about 55 new teammates out, out in that uh, neck of the woods. So geographically, we have uh, we have clients in all 50 states uh, plus plus. And um, we're very excited about our ability to have and maintain and grow that national footprint. Um, the first question you asked is, how does Questco compete? Um, the, the, the short answer, the glib elevator answer is, well, very well, because we focus <laughs> in on what's important to that client, right? I, I, we went over early in this call, what does it take to be relevant in the white collar space? And we had a wonderful legacy. So we, we've built that, which is not easy and it's, it's not... It's not a quick thing and it's fits and starts, but what we have at the end of the day now is a wonderful product set, nationally relevant uh, technology that, that competes well, that shows up well. But I think most importantly, we have this service team that cares and provides a personalized level of service despite our proportionately large size. So what that fundamentally enables is that if we attract new clientele in say Oklahoma or Missouri, they can be serviced out of Texas or out of Nebraska with the same level of care as if they were down the street. So we hire great Midwesterners to your earlier point. We find great people everywhere across the company. And I'm very proud of Questco's ability to recruit the right kind of team with that service orientation. So, you know, one of my good friends and uh, colleagues in the business told me once that why someone buys from you is not necessarily why they stay. And what I mean by that in the PEO context is that oftentimes people will be attracted to Questco because, well, we, we might show a cost savings um, relative to the previous provider because it's important to us to serve the, the middle of the bell curve, the, the, uh, the heart and soul of the small business community in the United States. And so we, we price our services accordingly. So maybe there's some, some financial savings there. And so we can win business on price, but that's not typically the only reason someone's going to switch PEOs or enter into the PEO relationship. And what we, we stress on the, on the sales training side is you need to look for multiple points of attachment. So price is one and pr price may be one, but we're very, very seldom the lowest cost uh, option that someone would have, basically never. So it's about value for fee. And then how we will compete is the strength of the service team, the strength of the offering, the fact that we offer a very sophisticated service team at, uh, you get access to a person that you would never as a small business be able to afford otherwise. And then we deliver consistently. And so I don't think there's anything particularly revolutionary about these, uh, these comments, which brings me probably to the final chef's kiss to this conversation on this point, which is that it's all about consistent execution at the end of the day. So it's delivering on these promises uh, day in, day out. And when we fall short, um, let's have empathy and urgency and correct things very quickly. And I think that's why we, we've grown and that's why we continue to retain clients. 
clients reach out to a PEO when there's an emergency or they think there's an emergency. How often does Questco's service team reach out to clients when there's not an emergency? Just saying, hey, how you doing? Happy birthday, whatever that may be. How often does that happen? With regularity, and I don't think it'll surprise you or the audience, there's a process for this, right? So it depends on the exact service expectations of the clients. But for a typical client and a typical expectation, it would be no less frequently than quarterly where we're getting together. And what you're hinting at is proactive service versus reactive service, right? Reactive service is on demand, and we need to be there at their time of need in that moment very quickly. As important for uh, on, on the agenda of those that are growing is making sure that we stay relevant to the long term needs that aren't going to manifest because they have a clerical situation that comes up on an average on a random Wednesday, but rather have they made uh, some hires that they're not happy about? Have they expanded into a new market that they're they're struggling to serve? Wh- whatever it is, we want to touch base with them to make sure that our service is keeping pace. And that has to be frequent. And in our case, it's no less frequently than quarterly. Other clients are monthly and still others that are, that are more strategic want uh, even more contact than that. So we even have weekly status meetings with certain clients to make sure that we're staying on track. And those are, of course, more significant, more the mid-market relationships you were referring to before. I'm glad I'm just going to automatically put you in the successful PEO category just because of that proactiveness. And really, it's the, the team behind. And again, this, this is very little of Questco is me, but our team generally will, will come to the fore on that. So, so far, Kirk, you're a great grader because I'm a wonderful CEO and our company is a success. So I just need to hire you as my agent right now. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see where this goes. No, it's all bottom line, as you know. So it doesn't matter how often you're doing things right or you should be doing things right. So one of the revelations to me getting in as leadership at Questco was really uncovering the breadth of the industry and the talent that it has, right? My entire perspective prior to assuming this role was from a large PEO uh, context, both as a, as a provider and as a, as a client. So in other words, I didn't know most of this industry even existed. And one of the wonderful things that I've been exposed to over the past few years are how many solid operators there are that have wonderful teams. They've built great businesses and maybe looking for various reasons to exit. We are very methodical about acquisitions and we're very clear eyed about what we're looking for. It, it might start with the geography and, and that's sort of a very basic screen that the, some, some demographics make sense. Where are they? What, what's the employee size? These, these basic questions. That's just sort of a, a typical early screen. But I think what's more nuanced and ultimately more important is, well, what are, what are they doing with that business? Why have they succeeded? Do they have a good team or is it basically one person that's just one step ahead of the last promise that they made? Will the business survive them or is it based on someone's personal charisma? And do they have a client base that is sufficiently loyal that we would expect given the size of the PEO? And what's the reason for that loyalty? And then finally, are they taking care of their team the way that we would expect them to in the way that we, we would if they were a part of us? So we go really deep. On, on, I'd call it the non-financial factors. And what we're left with is we certainly make fewer acquisitions. Sometimes there's a competitive presence in, in there and sometimes not. And ultimately, I don't concern myself with that because we will hit our plan by acquiring the right fit PEOs. And there, there's both sufficient numbers and sufficient quality that we'll get that done. Um, to, to your implied point, I think it is a very robust environment for acquisitions. And so those of you that, that are, are managing and leading small PEOs, you know, Kudos, you have, a, you have a number of choices. We are the right choice for a small subset of those, of those PEOs that are looking for a home and a long-term future. And f- because of the things I'm talking about, this will resonate with some, 
and they will want to uh, they will want to go further in a conversation about a business combination. And for others, it's not a right fit, and that that's perfectly okay too. But I think there's plenty of opportunity for us all. Give me a couple of tips. This comes down more to fit issues. What are you looking to do with this organization? Is it, it was this a quick flip for you? Um, is there somebody on your team that um, would survive the, the business combination? That's something we very much look for because um, ultimately we're not buying clients, we're buying relationships and capabilities. And we wanna know that that's strong, intact, and that you spent some time developing a business as opposed to just a, a, a handful of relationships. Um, in other words, are you treating your people right? So if, if you are, are showing some decent growth or have in the past and it's just getting a little tired and but you have wonderful relationships and a happy team and are just sort of contemplating next steps you're the door is knocking there are other people that are interested in the business i think we're refreshing contrast to some others in terms of how we value you as as the as the current owner of the business and how we value the team we we have never done a layoff or anything even close to that following an acquisition because we want to invest in that team and in that marketplace and use it as a, as a springboard for ex, exponential growth for someone that that would like to be part of a larger story with a team that values and respects them what, what a wonderful fit and of course that's not all there there are a number of reasons why people want to exit and uh you know, that's just worth the conversation too, I suppose. But hopefully that gets to really the, the heart and soul of the successful conversations we've already had, how those started. I think it's important that, uh, you know, acquisition targets or people want to sell that they understand, you know, that there are different options out there. Since you have such sales experience, what are you looking for in a, a salesperson uh, for Questco? So it's such a, Amazing, fascinating question, right? Because we, we have hired uh, salespeople from other PEOs. We've hired you know, perennial chairman's club winners that have succeeded, some that have not. Um, that's, that's by no means a guarantee of success because again, the rest of the ecosystem is different. So I think it's a naive perspective to say, well, I'm gonna plug in a, a top performer from one organization into another environment and you're assured of success. Now there are things you can do to help that success along that in the process. That's a little beyond the scope of what you asked though. What is important to us in the sale, first of all, is the skills there? I mentioned that we, we deliver objective tests to people to really know is the sales acumen there for the complex sale that you're being asked to undertake? And that's, that's my, that meant as an insult to people. This is just a, this is a, a tough thing to appropriately communicate and sell consistently. So we want to know is the fundamental skill set there or is this maybe not the right fit? From there, what we want to see is some effort, a demonstrated effort uh, that, that has been done for a sustained period of time. So people that might have sold wireless for a period of time with some level of success or tenacity, something that's complex to the general kind of audience that, that they would be selling to. That's what we're, we're looking for. And then the next step, Kirk, may be surprising to you. There's a certain point at which we have to have humility and say, we don't know. We've done the best we can and they're worth a shot. So what we do at Questco is we will probably, if you pass our screens, we're going to give you a solid look. You're, you will get us, basically, you can come on, um, even with very little experience. And let's see how that first 90 days work out. So we, we, we take right. the probationary period very seriously. If the effort is there and the demonstrated skills are there, we care less about the short-term results than that you're demonstrating the, the, the trajectory we're looking for. And then, so it's a balance of patience and, and rigorousness that sort of gets us the cumulative effect. And even with that, as I'm sure you're familiar, um, the, the rates of turnover in sales are, are high in our industry because it is a tough sale and we just don't know. So all this falls out to, let's do some good rigor on the front end. 
acknowledge that there's some limitation to that, try someone in the field for a while. And then we do have a, on balance, a really good success rate of developing people. And I think something else that probably was lost in my earlier intended remarks is a lot of what we do, whether it's in, on mid-market, larger deals, or even more typical uh, wheelhouse deals, is we try at the executive level to remove obstacles to a deal. In other words, there are a lot of reasons why a PEO deal might not close that are internal to the PEO. Especially when someone is new in sales with us, we will relax a lot of those, those sorts of things about minimum margin but to, to get them the quick win. And so the more we can sort of make it easy to succeed, build them on a pathway and look for people that are, that are both hungry and driven with high integrity and decent work ethics, we're gonna be just fine. And so that's what we do at Quesco. Well, Jason, I'm, I'm um, gonna ask you maybe a couple more quick questions, but I can certainly see with your experience and your explanation why Quesco has been such a success. Um, and I congratulate you on that. Um, and no, he's not paying me to say this or whatever. It, it, you can just tell by your answers. You really care about your clients, that you really have a process-driven um, approach to running a business. Let me ask you just one quick question. Are you going to be at the Napio conference in, in Palm Springs coming up or someone? Absolutely. On okay. I need to buy you a, a drink or a snack, I think. Well, I was going to ask people who have listened to this because I do plan on dropping this before the conference that they come up and, and buy you a drink uh, for the at the conference. And according to Pat Cleary, that's where most of the business is done over drinks. Well, I, who am I to second guess Pat? And I, I would love to make some new friends at the upcoming conference. I think it's a, we, look, we, we're, we're blessed with a wonderful trade association that really tries to advance the interests of our industry. We're very lucky to have that. Not even any industry does. And this annual conference is, I think, something special, and I, I look forward to taking part. Well, as as I uh, um, mentioned to Pat the other day when I interviewed him, um, I'm doing this because everyone was so helpful. The, the, I would reach out to people when I first got in the industry, and they say, hey, this is how you do it, or have you thought of this or that? And so I'm trying to pass that on, the wisdom of Jason Randall, to someone who may not be at that Napio conference, that might not get the opportunity to chat with you. And hopefully they'll read your book and um, send you a nice review on Amazon or whatever. So I wanna thank you, uh, Jason. I Again, I've taken too much of your time, but I do appreciate you sharing your wisdom with us. My pleasure, Kirk. Thank you so much. Thank you.